Welcome to Reality Bites. This is Desley Casey, your host, and Susan Pavlik, your co-host. So we'd like to welcome welcome you to our live stream. And today's live stream is on the history of Medicare. So we're doing something totally different today. Uh, so we hope you enjoy. So, so Susan, it's been a very interesting topic picking the history of Medicare, hasn't it? Well, it has for sure. I mean, you just, it, it's, it seems to be a battleground for this country throughout its history. I mean, way back, you know, in 75, when it was brought in by good old Gough Whitlam, um, it was under the guise of a double dissolution election and high court action and a whole heap of stuff that went down in order and it was the first time and only time that both houses sat um and finally um it was passed and then finally it was introduced in 76 um so you know and ever since then it's just been an ongoing feud between the parties and but the other side of that is Australia really um, wants its universal health. It, it has become very accustomed to it. And, and why not? Uh, a country of, of our size, of our wealth, of our um, standing should definitely, you know, be looking at the health of their nation. Yes, and having a look at it, and I was reading, uh, also reading a bit of the history, they were saying, I think where the battleground is between the LNP who, as you say, want to tear it down and the ALP who want to retain it and improve it. But the, I, I read uh, somewhere, I think in the history, they were estimating that the cost of Medicare by 2033 will be something like over $200 billion. The LNP, uh, well, you know, they they keep yeah, counting yeah. dollars, but yeah. they don't count the dollars for the living costs and the quality of life exactly. and the productivity of Australians who are able to access uh, Medicare and as you say it's been a raging debate uh, for quite a number of years even recently you know they were as recent as last year they've changed a lot of the Medicare or the MBS oh. items um, yes. which make it a little bit and the latest change has has to do with telehealth so whilst they're saying they're putting in billions to do with telehealth, a lot from what I've read, the psychiatrists are saying, well, um, we're not able to any longer bulk bill for telehealth. Um, so we're going to have to start, you know, people are going to have to start paying the gap fee. Now, for a lot of people, uh, particularly young people, that's just going to be cost prohibitive. Exactly, it is, and especially during a pandemic. I mean, we have heard during this whole 
last two, three, going into our third year, of the mental health um, issues in relation to being locked down, to being unemployed, to mm. being you know, all of these impacts as a result of COVID. Mm. So to, to, on the one hand, they tell you how much they put in, Mm. But they, what they don't tell you is how much they remove in the first place. Yes. So, you know, it doesn't even balance out. And when you've got high needs such as now, mm. putting in a bare minimum just doesn't cut the mustard. Well, we're not a bare minimum need, are we? We're in a pandemic. Well, this is it. And if you go back, you know, um, you know, and this live is basically on the history the Medicare that we know of today is from the Hawke era. Um, yes. And that, but I did read uh, when uh, Fraser came into government after <laughs> golf, they were opposing the Medicare fee yeah. uh, as such at the time with Gough Whitlam. But then when they came in, they put in a higher 2.5% fee than what Gough had been proposing now well, if we come into the Hawke era where it's uh you know because it was originally called Medibank wasn't it up until the Hawke era and then when Hawke brought it in as Medicare per se it's that's the system we have today it's interesting because I was also interesting like I wear glasses for driving now being 65 now I can have my optometrist bulk bill me every year if I need to see my optometrist every year. But for under 65s, you can only get bulk billed by an optometrist every three years. Um, yes. I thought it was every two, but what I read today, it's every three years. So uh, yeah. whether I got it wrong to start with or whether um, it's since changed, yeah, more, more to the chances of that it changed. Mm. I mean, there's been cuts across the board in the types of services that you can access, how often you can access them. You know, you just got to look at things like MRIs and things. Um, you know, if you don't, if your GP refers you, then you've got out-of-pocket costs. Yeah. If your specialist refer, refers you, then you get bulk billed. Yeah, yeah. So if, if it's in with a bulk billing facility or yes, you know, yes. diagnostic yeah. uh, company, yeah. yes. Yeah, so there's all, you know, it's really hard to keep up with the changes. And I really, the some of our people, might, the mind must be boggling because, you know, in the last year, there's been more than 900 various cuts in provider numbers, services that you were able to access through bulk billing and now can't things like reflexology and you know other things like that um also they've reduced the surgeries on things like hip replacements and cardiac and shoulder operations and um hand wrist operations and the like which really if you look at these things these are things that are in great need, so to speak. Yes. Because of our aging population, because of, you know, a whole heap of things, 
hip replacements are a, a big deal. And now, unless you have private cover or mega dollars, you're basically going to live in pain because you can no longer get that to get that fix. And, and that also affects the older person's um, quality of life, also being able to get out and about and around the place. Um, you know, a hip is, you know, just like your knees. Uh, you, you can't do without them. You, you've got to have your knees to be able to walk. And the same with the hip. You know, you've got to be able to have your hip and to not be able to uh, get, get those particular uh, joints replaced hugely affects quality of life and mobility. For sure it does. It affects it across the board on how, I mean, if, you know, if you live on your own, well, you need assistance mm. because you can't. Your mobility is really impacted on. Plus you're in pain you know, 99% of the time, you can't interact with um, social outings or even the basics of groceries or whatever. And it, it, looking in a time and the type of country and society we are, that's just unacceptable that we would deliberately um, put our people in situations of pain. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's it would be hard enough if if uh, people live, older people live, or whoever required knee and uh, hip replacement surgeries uh, lived in the city. But live in a rural area, yeah. you know, you you've got to travel to 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 the supermarket to you know. For me, for example. Um, I don't have any of the major supermarkets in my town. They're 30, 40 minutes away, yeah. north, south and northeast. So I've got to drive. And, you know, you try driving with a, a dodgy knee or even a dodgy hip. Okay, oh, yes, we can. Yeah, uh, exactly. Now, okay, I can... Um, for example, get Woolworths online. But what I pay in the delivery fee is half of what my grocery bill is. Yeah. So I use it very judiciously or you've got to spend $100 to get the free delivery in my area. Um, so in that sort of respect, you're not only paying it with your health and your well-being and your mental health well-being as well. Yeah. Um, you're you're actually paying in the hip pocket yeah, uh, just yeah. to be able to get groceries. Yeah. You know, for me, it's more cost-effective to drive the thirty minutes. You know, do the round trip. Normally, I do other things at the same time, so you know, make it a decent round trip than it is to actually go 10 minutes down the road. And I've still got to drive the 10 minutes, so I've still got to get in the car or anything like that. But one of my neighbours who is housebound, the local supermarket last year charged her $9 for a, a kilo of onions. 
Wow. Nine dollars. You know, like just highway That's robbery. High, highway robbery. You know, uh, I'm not prepared to pay nine dollars for a kilo for a kilo of onions. You know what I mean? It comes down to also quality of life and also mobility. Now, you know, yes, I can get a, um, I can go like with community transport or something like that, but then you're still paying, you know, between $15 and $25 to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? The, the, the costs are, uh, there's no easy, I mean, the, the you know, the easiest and possibly the cheapest option all around would be just to do the surgery, restore yes. that person's well-being. And, and quality of life. And quality of life. Mm. And thereby they don't need to then use other services and incur costs, which, you know, it's all interrelated. So, you know, it just makes no sense that you would do that. It's a nonsensical argument to me. Well, it's, it's a, a, a uh, pseudo-economic argument, isn't it? And yeah. where their bean counters are counting every dollar and um, everything like that. And yes, it, there is going to be, a, as they say, they're projecting because the population is ageing that Medicare is going to cost, you know, over $200 billion by 2033. And yeah. but, but, the, but reducing the item numbers, we already pay for, like, for example, because I don't hold private hospital and I work part-time, I have to pay a Medicare levy, levy in my tax. Now, it's cheaper for me to pay the Medicare levy in my tax at the end of tax time than it is to have private hospital cover. Yes. You know, because of my age, etc. I held extras cover for private extras cover, so for optometrists and dental, etc. And I found the only thing I did was I got a pair of glasses every couple of years or so for driving yeah. at the time. So it must have been bulk billed at one stage because I only had to pay for the glasses. And yeah. I thought, well, that was a waste of money paying private extras. So yeah. I stopped it and I couldn't afford it anyway. And now I'm very much a low, very low income earner. I can't afford private extras. And well, yeah. I think the reason that uh, labour really want want to maintain universal health care for Australians as much as possible is the fact that people really can't have, we don't want a lot of people don't want a population that I certainly don't want the American system because I'd never be able to afford it. No. Now I'm lucky my G GP bulk bills but in the no. cities a lot of GPs won't bulk bill. Now, uh, even in rural townships, you know, um, but rural, uh, the government has brought out, as of January, they've also brought out an extra rebate to encourage GPs to live and work in rural areas. So they've yeah. upped the, the schedule fee rate for them. 
uh, if they work in a rural area. It's not by very much from what I can work out. Um, it's a minefield trying to actually work out uh, different things. But a very handy site that I came across, there is a website where I, I had it up, but obviously it's gone now. I've accidentally, but there is a, a, a website where you can put in uh, what sort of what sort of uh, medical you're after, and you can you can elect bulk billing or whatever, and it will it's a services finder, and it will tell you all the different um, doctors in the surrounding. You put in your postcode and in surrounding areas, so like for about two hours. So it'll show for me. It'll show. Wollongong, Sydney, um, yeah. Canberra, for example, because Canberra is uh, only about two hours, just over two hour drive for me away, uh, et cetera. And it will tell you whether they bulk bill. It won't tell you what the actual fees are. You'll have to ask the, you know, the particular provider or specialist or yeah. anything like that. But it will tell you whether they bulk bill or not. You can elect to do that or whether it's a billing practice, which is very handy. We didn't have that uh, years yeah. ago. So at least people could possibly ring around a bit, but you still got it. Like you're in a rural area you're like like me. I'm, in, I'm on the south coast of New South yeah. Wales. So... Uh, apart from GPs, um, and I've got a very good GP, um, but for specialists, imaging I go to Nara, which is only about 30, 40 minutes away north, but for the specialists, I have to go to Wollongong, you know, yeah. or to Canberra. Yeah. And why would I go to Canberra Hospital, spend two hours and spend four four hours at Canberra Hospital, it's bad enough going and spending an hour to two hours at the specialist for an eight-minute appointment, um, you know, and then drive the, the time home. So, you know, it's it's not cost-effective both time-wise or anything like that for me to go to Canberra Hospital to, to get, you know, free neurosurgery, uh, neurosurgeon, you know, type services. So yeah. hopefully this will be my last year with the neurosurgeon, but we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting to see what the changes are going to be under the, well, if we do have a new government, because, it, yeah, it's looking a bit grim at the minute. And it, yeah, I don't even know really. I keep reading these notes I've put myself, but it just, one of the things that sticks out in the terms of the Libs attitude towards um, universal health. Peter Schatt, the Libs health minister back in 1990, went to the election with no workable policy mm. and said, I want to say with all the frankness I can muster, the Liberal and National Parties do not have a particularly good record in the health. And I don't need to remind you of our last period in government. 
And so that basically, they go to an election with no policy on health at all. Well, at the last election, the last federal election, we had Medi-Scare, where the Liberals very successfully reckoned that Labor was scaring the population in regards to what changes were happening to Medicare. Roll on nearly four years, nearly four years in May, nearly four years, a lot of what Labor was saying at the time has now come into real has come to pass. So yeah. it actually wasn't Medi-Scare. And interesting enough, if you look at the lead up, even though they're getting into electioneering mode now, even though the election uh, day hasn't actually been called as yet, but there's very little said about Medicare. Yeah, well, there, you know, I, I've heard that there's going to be some fund splashing and no doubt Medicare will get some of that, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. The only one of the LNP um, Prime Minister that actually recognised Australia's passion for their um, universal health was Tony Abbott, and he actually went to election with an open checkbook. Yeah. In terms of um, Medicare. But he didn't put that much in it. No, he didn't. He might have had an open checkbook. It it closed pretty quickly after he got elected. It certainly did. A bit like Fraser. I mean, he he promised that he wouldn't tear down Medibank after the whole dismissal and, and all that nonsense, and then proceeded to do exactly that. Yeah. Oh, you know. And I think this is this is this is it, you know, uh, when it comes to um, you know, Medicare as we know it, because it was known as Medibank up till 1984. Yes. And Medicare is what Hawke brought it in as Medicare as such. Um and basically um most of these, most of the changes that Fraser brought in were, and the Liberals brought in, were revoked by the Hawke Labor government in 1984. Yeah. Um, and, and, that- and apart from the name change, it so it became the healthcare. So it started on the 1st of February and was, yeah. and it was similar to what was introduced in 1975. Yeah. But it still is, as they say, a very hot political. Oh, for sure. Uh, yes. Uh, they, they reckon, according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, the total health and residential aged care expenditure, so this is including aged care as well, uh, will increase by 189% for the period 2003 to 2033, from 85 billion to 246 billion. Yeah. And, so, and- but that includes, so I was wrong in what I said before that it was just Medicare. It actually is Medicare and aged care. And aged care, something we'll do a live on at some stage, is a very hot political topic at oh, the moment. 
because of the lack of the crisis that's happening and defence are going in, four teams of defence are, are going in as of Wednesday into the aged care facilities, some of the aged care facilities, because they just don't have the workers. It's an absolute, it's a, it's a cot case. It, it is, yeah, it's absolutely insane. And, you know, in, in the increases that you speak of, look, a, a good government would plan those part of the infrastructure because we know, how long have we known that we have an ageing population? Oh, since I was a young adult. Exactly. So why haven't we forward planned these things? We know it's going to get worse. Yeah. yeah? Demand is going to be greater on, on aged care, on Medicare. We know this. But, but then it'll come down too. Once it's over the curve, yes. it, will, it will drop. But regardless of that, we really need to forward plan as a country, yeah. not just uh, one government puts something up and the other party doesn't like it and they attack it. I mean, at some point we need to look at what is good for the country and this country likes its Medicare, likes its universal health and wouldn't be opposed to, you know, even if needs be putting up a higher contribution considering the increases or, you know, I don't know what the options are. I'm not a, an economist, but <clears throat> certainly it's something that um, should have been begun to be addressed like some time back. Well, see, the thing with the bulk billing is I don't think people mind if doctors or specialists charge above the, the scheduled fee, as it's called. Yeah. The problem is, is how much they charge above the scheduled fee. Yes. And yes. that's what makes it cost prohibitive, you know, for people even today, if they can't get a specialist, like I've got to go to my neurosurgeon next month, right, just for my annual review, etc. But they said, I said to them, you know, when I spoke to them, how much would I be out of pocket? And they said a maximum, and this is with the pension card, a maximum $180. Now, if you had to go to the neurosurgeon two or three times in a row at a hundred that and that's with a pension card, yeah. uh, you know. Um, if you had to do that two or three times in a row, I only have to go once a year, so it's it's up to $180 max. But if I had to do that two or three times, well, I I'm sorry, but that's humongously expensive for people. Oh, now, I try to uh, budget, you know, for this type of expense, but I think um, I think you can only get one MRI a year free. I think after that you have to pay something. I'm not really quite sure, so don't quote me on that. Again, they all add up. Then you add medications in at the same time, um, and if you're not on a, um, a a health concession card or a pension card of yeah. some description yeah they can add up 
you know, and uh, considering when people think, oh, you get it all for free, well, no, we don't. You know, no. I, I, I fortunately don't have to pay for my GP, but some people have to pay the gap fee, as yeah. it's called, from the schedule fee to what the doctor charges yeah. uh, for their GP appointments. Now, as you age, and as I'm sure you're fine, I'm finding I'm spending more time going to the doctor. It's actually embarrassing, <laughs> quite frankly. Yes. Um, yes. And that sort of thing. Whereas I rarely went to a GP, you know, or anything like yep. that. But as yep. I'm aging, what the body is starting to break down a bit and yep. this this sort of thing, da di da di da. Yep. Try and afford that on a pension, like $180 a pop at a neurosurgeon. That's that's outside the schedule fee. That's that's the gap that's the maximum that they told me the maximum. They didn't tell me the minimum, but they told me the maximum, you know, depending on how many minutes you're with a specialist. Yeah, yeah. And if they pay and you've got two or three visits in a row, wham, bang. Yeah, you're in trouble. Something's got to give, especially if you are on a fixed income, such as, you know, Centrelink pensions or carers or whatever. You find yourself, oh, okay, so what do I not get this week? Because I've yeah. got to do that. Do I not eat? Do I not get my gas or my wood or my, you know, heating, my hot water? Do I cut that out? Um, do I not get my meds this month? Like, I mean, they're the real choices that too many of our people have to make on a daily basis. And whilst... You know, you can't you, you can't get everything. I think that our health is is not just good for the individual, but it's good for the country, it's good for the community, it's good all round. If you can, you know, the you're reducing costs, you well, you're exactly. less beds. You're not sitting in an aged care facility, which is costing you or the family an absolute fortune at any rate. Um, you may be getting less home care services, for example. You may not sit on a level four, which is yeah. the full box and dice. You might only be on a level two, you know, because you've got more yeah. mobility, you're able to get out more, you're able to do more for yourself. So... Yeah. Even for elderly people or older people um, who have to have home care packages, if they could uh, afford, you know, their uh, their medications, also their specialists, because you know, once you get older, you start you end up start seeing specialists of some description, whether it's whether it's whether it's neurosurgeon, heart. Uh, yeah. Whether it's eye specialists, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, well, I currently see four. Well, there you go. So, you know, I mean, I am blessed in that I see them in the public hospital. So, you know, I'm lucky. I, I don't have any out-of-pocket expenses. But if I wasn't in that situation to be able to do that, I mean, I... Oh, where would I be? 
curled up yeah. in a ball in the corner praying for God to come take me now. Yeah. Yeah. And and this sort of thing. Like we were talking the other day about your eye specialist and and you've got to go every month to the eye specialist and how much and I worked in an eye specialist uh, practice actually a number of years ago. Yeah. And that's quite, that you know, particular procedures, you know, you're, you're looking at 300 odd dollars a pop. Yes. You know, yeah. now you add that into other specialists that you might also have to see and you can't see at a public hospital or yeah. something like that. Uh, Incredible. You know, even with our universal Medicare, yeah. you know, it's getting it's getting way more expensive, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the issue as well. So and I think that's the is the it's a bit of a misnomer to say that we have free health care. Yeah, no, we, we don't. I mean, we certainly don't because you're paying for it in your levies and in your surcharge. If you haven't um, joined a private health fund before 30, you pay an extra percent in surcharge. But yeah, for those that on the lower scale, I mean, you jump through hoops, but you do get seen. And then you look at the waiting lists. I mean, some of the waiting lists are horrendous. We'll never get to the top of the waiting list mm. for various, you know, services and surgeries and, and so on. So, no, whilst it may be um, you're on the waiting list for the public system, therefore it will be free, but it isn't because you're paying with your quality of life. Yes. Because for all that time, and it could be two, three years plus that you're waiting. Um, and in that time, you know, your quality of life is diminishing mm. without, you know, things don't generally get better if you don't do anything with them. They generally yeah. get worse. Yeah. So, you and, know. And talking about our history and we'll end with our little poem um, in the history, it kind of shows that even though we don't talk about it in the poem, there have definitely been changes over the years as to uh, what's included, what's not included. There's the most recent, as you say, there were 900 MBS, you know, medical benefit scheme items that were uh, basically deleted or amalgamated with other items, yeah. which is a huge change. It's been changed to uh, telehealth uh, from January this year, um, and which is going to have a major impact. And yeah. there's been changes. The only good change is that they've increased, increased the schedule fee rebate for rural doctors, and that's because a lot of rural communities can't get doc GPs. Oh, that's right. And, and that. So, so let's start with our poem, which is called The History of Medicare. 
Way back in 75, a great man had a dream to create a national health plan, the likes of which have never been seen. To help Australian people make a healthy stand, with hand on heart, they all went forward to the promised land. They called it Medibank and the whole country smiled, but little did they know it would be gone in a little while. In 1976, when life wasn't meant to be easy, Fraser showed us what he meant and he wasn't being cheesy. Tear it down, he shouted clearly, our pride and joy we love so dearly. They attacked it, much like now. Australia watched, not making a sound. <clears throat> In 1981, they killed it off for good. <laughs> selling it for profit like a good Liberal government would. February 1, 1984, another great man knocked on the door. The Hawke government brought a universal health plan to the fore. For 38 years, the battle has raged as each subsequent government took to the stage. The Libs, as always, will tear it down, saying not enough money could be found. Labor will fight and loudly implore. The need for the system is too great to ignore. The past eight years have been rough, with Aussies everywhere doing it tough. The Libs have stripped it to the core, as they have done many times before. This government wants to shut it down, leaving the sick and the dying all around our towns. Don't give up, it's not the end. This is our system, it will bend. We'll take it back and make it stronger, not subject to manipulation any longer. Around the corner, a man awaits to take his turn and he states, we'll protect Medicare with everything we've got, every inch of our being, the whole bloody lot. We won't allow them to tear it down. Because now we have Elbow around. Elbow understands Medicare better than anyone else can. He has been around since the beginning. He was part of the plan. To keep a nation moving, you have to take a stand. Health is most important, part of that master plan. Happy birthday, Medicare. May you live forever in this great land. That's a great note to finish on. And Medicare turned um, 38, 38 oh. on the 1st of February. It so it's happy belated birthday, but happy birthday nevertheless. So, but, you know, it's funny, you know, because I don't recall hearing much about uh, the birthday of Medicare in the news or anything like that. It wasn't as if it was a big cause for celebration. Well, there, Labor did. Labor, um, you know, gave it a, a bit of a go on social media. But, yeah, you're right. There was no... no there was no saying. real fanfare, was there? No. 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 Uh, well, and on that note, this is Desley Casey and... Susan Padley. Saying from Reality Bite saying thank you for listening. Hope you in, you have a great day and talk to you soon. Bye for now.